Exceeding Expectations, episode 49. Welcome to the podcast where we aim to give you ideas of how you can give your customers uh, an amazing experience in some way to get you better referrals, testimonials, recommendations, rebookings, all that sort of stuff. Please, um, if you do like this podcast, why not share this particular episode or any of the other the past episodes with someone who you think may get some value out of this. And it would be great if you could leave a review for us on one of the platforms such as iTunes, which is obviously the biggest podcast platform, or any of the other uh, podcast platforms. This week's episode is Bill Cates, who's known as the referral coach. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Exceeding expectations, my guest this week is Bill Cates. How are you, Bill? I'm doing well, Tony. Thank you. And you just told me you're in Maryland. Annapolis, Maryland. It was uh, one of the earlier capitals of the uh, colonies, the United States, before they settled on Washington. It's uh, around, surrounded by water. It's a beautiful town. So for those of us in the UK whose geography is not so great, whereabouts in, in the <laughs> States is that? Well, uh, Washington, D.C., as you know, is on the East Coast, right in about in the middle, and Annapolis is about 30, 35 miles due east. Yeah, I can place it now. <laughs> and, and you've got a, a company called Referral Coach. It's a fascinating name. How did that come about? Well, it's interesting. I, for almost 25 years, I've been focusing on helping uh, business owners, salespeople, professionals, grow their business through referrals. And, and lately we've been focusing more on personal introductions because it's just so hard to cut through the noise and reach people these days. But uh, I was uh, I was a sales speaker. Uh, I was looking for an expertise, uh, a, a niche, if you will, to focus. And I was listening to some audio tapes. You may remember audio tapes mm-hmm. um, way back when. And this guy was talking about referrals. And I thought, you know, that's that's a good topic, and but I'd say it this way, and I teach this, and so I started teaching and writing for about a year, mm. and I wanted a company name that reflected what I did, mm. um, so I came up with Referral Coach International, and there, you know, we we lived into the international part. The business wasn't international at the time, mm. uh, but now I've done it all over the world, including the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, it's it's one of those things I was kind of born to do. And as as we talk, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting into some other content as well. Mm. And there's and there's like a million and different you know, a million and one different ways of coaching. I mean, what, how would you say your style of coaching is? How does it differ to maybe other people's? Yeah, so it, it's funny. Um, I, I've never really can you know I call myself a coach, but then when as I got into coaching. I, you know, I learned that there's a whole world of coaches, be it executive coaches, business coaches, life coaches, where the model is they teach you to just pull out what's already in the client, kind of like a therapist might do. And it's not very directive, but I'm more like an athletic coach where I tell people Mm. what to do, (laughs) Mm. Uh, but getting to know them first, uh, obviously it's got to be appropriate and, and with lots of context, but and that's what people seem to like for me is they don't want to just have it all pulled out from them. Uh, I mean, that's part of what I do, but I, I you know, they want to be told, you know, a, a best way to do something. Uh, what I've seen other people do that's been successful. 
And so my, my style is definitely more directive than a lot of other folks. And, and on the subject of referrals, which, you yeah. know, obviously we were talking about just now, how mm-hmm. do you find most people or especially sort of new business owners mm-hmm. find it difficult to generate referrals? To a degree. Yes. Um, so obviously if, if you're doing a great job serving your customers or your clients, uh, you should have some people talking about you to others, right? Word of mouth mm-hmm. referrals is a pretty important part of just about any business. Some businesses can thrive and grow more so than others on the unsolicited referrals. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, you know, anything in the hospitality industry, you know, depends on that and, and book sales, et cetera, is word of mouth. Um, the mistake I've seen a lot of business owners make is, is just thinking that if they serve the heck out of their customers, their customers will talk about them and, and be the path to their door, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. always enough or it's not always the right people coming your way, depending on your business. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, it's, it's becoming referable. And that has to do with meeting and exceeding expectations all along the way. Mm-hmm. But then also being... Uh, proactive, appropriately proactive. How do you talk about suggesting the possibility of introductions or connections to other people? And that's where people, they get a little nervous. They're, they don't want to look needy. They don't want to look unsuccessful. They don't want to look pushy. And so they, they miss those opportunities to suggest possible connections. Hmm. Their customer or client may be talking about someone they know, and they know they could probably serve that person, but they're reluctant to step into that conversation. And so uh, courage is a big sub-theme to everything I teach. Hmm. And Well, and courage is, is important in so many areas of oh, business, isn't yeah. it? Cur- courage is, 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 is needed when there's a little slight gap in confidence, right? <laughs> hmm. It's like when you, don't, when you feel confident about something, then you move forward. And it's not really hmm. courageous because you feel confident. Um, you know, uh, courage isn't the absence of the absence of fear. It's the presence of fear. And then we, then we move anyway. And opposite of, of, uh, confidence is fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And, uh, so when there's a little gap, I, I have my first sales trainer, uh, a guy out of Baltimore, Maryland, Dave Sandler, he called that, that gap, that place wimp junction. Mm-hmm. It's that, right. It's a little place where we know we need to ask something, say something, do something, uh, we don't quite feel comfortable right about it. And then we have a choice to either wimp out or to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when it comes to business, what you do, I do what everybody does. It really boils down to confidence, right? If you don't feel clear and confident, you won't act. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a big part of it. And do you typically work with like sort of certain industries or is it pretty varied? I work mostly with uh, professional services, um, mm-hmm. although the I have worked outside of professional services and, and the principles are all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for instance, you've got to be referable. That's, that's about meeting, exceeding, ex- finding out what expectations are, right? It's hard to exceed expectations if you don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so doing all that good stuff and that puts you in that place where you can then be appropriately proactive to look for introductions um, and then not settling just for word of mouth necessarily, not even settling for a name and number. You know, somebody might say, hey, call my friend George, you know, call my, my colleague George, you know, mention my name. Well, George doesn't pick up his phone anymore and we're not in his cell phone, so he won't pick that up. And um, 
So, you, you know, we got to get a connection, got to get an email handshake. I like to call it or, or break bread together, which is always nice of an introduction. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's more than, than just the, the getting the word of mouth. Mm. I mean, you mentioned before that you've written, was it three books and you, you're in the process of writing another one. I mean, how, when you decided to write your first book, mm. how, how did that process come about? Yeah, actually I've, I've, I've written four on referrals. I, I wrote another book, which we won't count into this conversation for now, but so what happened as I was, as I was, you know, picking this as a topic of, of expertise to focus on, um, I certainly knew a certain amount about it, but I also knew that there was a lot of other good ideas. Now, this was a while ago. This was before or just as the Internet was was gaining some some usage and popularity and everything was in DOS, you know, no Windows yet. And and uh, the only place I could get access at the time to the Internet was the library. But mm-hmm. I decided what I was going to do is is teach and write and write and teach for about a year. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I could have written the book in, in a few months, but I, I made it a better book by teaching it, learning from people, you know, in my audiences and, and reading other books. And so it became a very well-researched book, not just from other books, but from people I actually talked to and people in the field doing these things. I had, I picked up a lot of great ideas from, from those folks. And so that first one took about a year, um, and, uh, and I knew it was a better book because of it, but I'll tell you, if anybody's listening, thinking about writing a book, uh, it's a great exercise. I had a, a colleague at the time tell me, he says, even if you never publish it, it'll be worth it. Cause you're going to get your head around the body of knowledge that, mm. that will, you know, bring you into a level of expertise that most people don't have. Mm. So it's uh, back to that confidence it was a great confidence booster. Mm. Um, and then I had a two, uh, two book deal with the publishing company. So I had to give them a second book <laughs> and mm. that was really just a culmination of a lot of my blogs, uh, a lot of my articles and it was pretty easy to write. Um, mm. and then the third one that was called don't keep me a secret. And that's a phrase, you know, I didn't invent that phrase, but it, I picked it up from somebody in my audience. He just, when people say, Hey, this was great. You know, you exceeded my expectations. Great. Please don't keep us a secret just planting mm-hmm. that seed for that word of mouth. And I said, oh, that's brilliant. Um, and then, then I, you know, as doing this for years and years, uh, of course I, I realized that referrals isn't the end game. That's not the real benefit. Referrals, a, it's a process. It's a way to get to meet someone and eventually if it's a fit, turn them into a client or a customer. So that's when I wrote beyond referrals where I wanted to take, this process of, of, of referrals, but then making sure that people got introductions and then setting the appointment, whatever that appointment setting looks like for you and your business and whether they come to you, you go to them, whether it's on the phone and then, and then some sales skills. So I included some sales skills because the ultimate goal is the, actually the new client. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've learned, and you've probably seen this in your own business, Tony, is when you help people solve a problem, sometimes you learn of a new problem that they have the next step to that problem. Um, so that's, that's what's happened in my business is I just keep finding ways to serve my clients related to the overall umbrella of relationship marketing and forming better relationships. Hmm. I mean, I'm curious how many of the, of the people you work with when they come to you have already read one of your books? Oh gosh. Um, uh, quite a few these days. Um, it's, 
kind of neat. And, and <laughs> sometimes I'll, I'll speak at an event and someone will come up and say, I just bought your book or, or they say, you know, I bought your book years ago. I haven't read it yet. I go, that's all right. Probably most people haven't, you know, and I <laughs> take them off the hook and uh, some people have read it before they come. So it's, it's, I've been doing this long enough. There's, it, there's a fair number of them out there. Um, and it, you know, it's a, it's a great way to bring people into my world. It's inexpensive. They learn my style, my philosophy, some of the things I teach. And there's already a little bit of, uh, appreciation there. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a great calling card. It's a great, uh, magnet, you know, among the other things we need to do to bring people to our world. Hmm. Before we were talking about, um, you were talking about being super referable by um, by sort of leveraging. What, 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 can you expand on that? You were you mentioned that before. Yeah. So, so three words. I have a system called the Perpetual Revenue System, and it really I've already touched on it, but we'll flesh it out a little bit. So, um, if, if you follow these three words that represent three concepts, then you really can create a, a pretty much endless perpetual, perpetual flow of good quality clients or customers to your business. And I'm a, um, my process is mostly emphasize, um, quality over quantity, uh, mm-hmm. depending on where you are in your business, you may want to emphasize a little bit differently, but so the first part is this engagement. So what we learned is that, uh, through our research that there's a low correlation between client or customer satisfaction and the giving of referrals in the study, only 20% of folks who said they were satisfied and they, that they were loyal, but 20% who said they were satisfied gave referrals in the preceding 12 months. So we learned that there's a, there's a higher level of, of customer or client relationship that we call the engaged client or the engaged customer. And this is where someone is engaged with your value. They like the value that you bring. They like the questions you ask, the things you teach, your quality service, responsive service, you know, it varies obviously from business to business, but it's the value part of the equation. And then the other part is the human connection, the human part of the equation where they like you and they trust you. And, and all of that's important. And most successful businesses work on those, but I, I bring them to life a little bit more and, and show people how to do that in all different aspects of the client journey mm-hmm. because we're trying to create advocates. An advocate will not only recommend us, but they'll make sure it's a good connection. They'll bug their friends. Have you called my friend, you know, Tony yet? Or they'll say, Tony, have you called my friend George yet? They really get engaged. And that's what we want. We want advocates for our hmm. business. Um, and that all comes out of the, the engagement that we create. And then the next level is the leverage is once we have people that see our value and we've connected within a nice personal level, not, you know, not best friends, but I call them business friendships. Um, then we've earned the right to leverage and to say, let's talk about who else we can bring this important work to and a lot of different ways to word it, but it's essentially paying your value for it, right? That your, your client, your customers found value in working with you. How do we find other people that would also find value? So you're essentially asking your customers or clients to help you help others. So it's mm-hmm. mostly about bringing your value for it. Obviously you'll get compensated for it, but and they know that, but it's mostly about bringing the value to other people. And if they like you, if they're an advocate, well, they want to help you too. So it's a nice, mm-hmm. powerful combo. And then, as I mentioned, uh, getting the connection, getting introduced, not just settling for word of mouth or a name and a number. And, uh, you know, the best way for a lot of businesses is in person, if you can make it work, if it fits the business model. But if not, 
then an email introduction, you know, Tony meet Laura, Laura meet Tony. And hmm. here's how I know you guys and you guys should talk. And everybody's familiar with that kind of introduction. And so just not, not leaving the process until you get connected where it mm-hmm. breaks down for a lot of people is, is that introduction. You mm-hmm. have someone who's willing to talk about you to someone else, but they don't quite ever get there. And so mm-hmm. that's going to be frustrating. Uh, but if you do that and you get introduced and you create this sense of engagement with these new prospects that then become clients or customers and you just keep this process going, then it really is a perpetual flow. And would you say there are, you know, maybe introverts or certain personality types that find it much more difficult to to do the whole referral process? Oh yeah, there's no question. It's a range. Um, uh, it's not just the 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 business owner, um, but it's also you know the clients or customers, right? So some people are more open to being asked than others. And, uh, you know, if you have someone who has a very open personality and it was easy to get them into your world and they answer your questions and, you know, they're open, then those are the kinds of folks that will let you into the lives of others in their life much more easily. Hmm. But on the other hand, if you have someone that was like my mom, my mother uh, and father, who, by by the way, met in England um, Hmm. during World War Two, my father was very much the analytical and. You know, you'd ask him a question. He'd say, why do you need to know that? You know, very guarded. And mm-hmm. those people, obviously, are a little tougher to ask. So same thing on the asking side. Um, it's, again, about being confident and engaging in this conversation. But I'll tell you, I, I mean, I know some fairly introverted, shyer type folks will still do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just about practice and getting confident um, and mm-hmm. believing in your value. This is, that's a big part of it. Um, mm. if you doubt your value in any way, you're, you're going to be hamstrung in terms of not being able to do this. So, so for people who are introverted or have particular, uh, personality types to, and they find it difficult to, to refer, is that, is that what you would suggest that they really concentrate on the value that they have? Yeah. Um, and, and what I found is, is asking and someone doesn't want to go there. So, you know, I don't like to do this. I'm very private or you know, let me think about it. This, for whatever reason, they just don't feel comfortable. It, it's usually not a reflection on us, the asker, mm-hmm. assuming we've done a good job. It's just their relationship with being private, being reticent to recommend other resources, et cetera. And so um, what I found is just, just the asking the one time and suggesting the possibility of introductions, it plants a really nice seed. It promotes the possibility for later. And Gosh, I can't tell you how many people who've, I, I do this when I speak in front of groups. I'll do a show of hands. How many of you have asked referrals and gotten them on the spot? And then a lot of hands go up. And how many of you have asked, didn't get it on the spot, but you asked later. I mean, I'm sorry, didn't get it on the spot, but later they had someone for you on their own terms. Hmm. A lot of hands go up, right? The next time they say, hey, I think I have someone for you. They just want to do it in their own way on their own timing. Hmm. Uh, the, the percentages go a little something like this. And every business is going to be different, but it, Essentially, 20%, if you're doing a great job for folks, will talk about you to others. They'll give you referrals. They'll make connections. Another 20%, you could run into a burning building and save their children. They wouldn't do this because mm-hmm. they're private. They don't want to do it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then there's that 60%. And that's kind of the gold mine that most businesses are sitting on. Uh, it, it, but if they're not being proactive in certain ways, if they're not rewarding for referrals, if they're not 
having a conversation. Essentially, it's building it into a culture of meeting people through other people. Um, then, then they'll miss out on that, that roughly 60%. So, so you talk about helping people to to ask for for more referrals, and what what about testimonials? Yeah, testimonials are a, cust, uh, a cousin of referrals, right? Because mm. what what why referrals work is because of borrowed trust. We borrow the trust in one relationship long enough to earn our own trust in the new relationship. And there's a mm. the term they're using these days, of course, in marketing is social proof. Mm. Um, and a testimonial, a referral, they're both forms of social proof. So it's um, the, the, you know, the testimonial, it's kind of an endorsement, it's a recommendation. Um, and if that's someone who has something in common with the, with the person looking at the testimonial and it, they may not know each other, but they have something in terms of they're both shopping for your service or if they come from the same industry that you do, then it, then it's even better. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big believer in collecting testimonials. Uh, I've always done it used to originally get testimonial letters and then of course testimonial statements. And I always put photographs next to testimonials or almost always because mm. I want them to be real. I want people to see yeah. that they're real, you know, their first name, their last name, their business, where they're located, uh, photograph. And of course these days I'm doing a lot more with video because it's gotten easier mm. and easier to do. Um, but it, they're huge. Um, and another cousin is references, right? There's some people that may not, want to give you the names of specific people to connect you with, but they'd be happy to serve as a reference. If there's someone who's you're talking to and you say, Hey, can I give you a couple of references of people who've used our service? And they'll go, yeah, we love that. And I found that about 50% of the people I give references to actually contact the references, but they like the fact that I've done it, hmm. um, that I'm willing to do it. I'll, I'll never forget, Tony. I, had a, a somebody call me for some service he was providing, and he was really a good talker, right? He's a, you know, he had his game together when it came to that, and and he was offering an interesting service. So I said, okay, I appreciate this. Sounds good. You know, I would like to talk to you know a couple of references of people you've worked with. He says, mm-hmm. oh, we we don't like to bother our our customers, our clients with that. No, no, we we can't do that. And said, so, well, I'm sorry, I can't move forward because you know anyone who does a great job for their clients or customers, they have people that be happy to serve as a reference. Mm. You don't abuse them. You don't give them too many people at one time, but every now and then they'd be happy to vouch for you. And if you can't, if, if, if you don't have people that are, are willing to do that, the number one, you know, in your terminology, you're not exceeding your expectations. Mm. And, um, and it's going to make people kind of leery. Um, of, of doing business with you if you can't furnish those folks. I've sometimes when I'm looking for services, you know, I'll look at other people, other testimonials that are on someone's website. Mm-hmm. I'll contact those people. You know, I'll look them up. I'll find them on LinkedIn. I'll find their business. And I say, I see you're doing business with so-and-so, you know, mm-hmm. your testimonials on their website. Tell me about what you've done with them. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Sometimes I get great stuff. And mm-hmm. sometimes I get back, well, I haven't really done that much with him <laughs> mm-hmm. or her. And so, you know, this, it, so it's their friend <laughs> mm-hmm. who wrote the testimonial. So it's all part of the mix, right? It's all part of the body of evidence that we need to provide to people so they'll feel comfortable trusting their decision to work with us. 
Well, and I wonder if, from what you were saying just then, it made me think about, say, you, you get a video testimonial from someone and you, you put it on your website. Mm-hmm. And then often we tend to forget things that we put on our website. And then six years later, <laughs> video testimonial is still there. It's and true. if someone calls that person. It's true. Yeah. You, you do need to monitor that. You need to stay in touch with those people mm. uh, in some form. Um, I have a a VIP list of about 200 people that are clients. They're folks like you that have the ability to say something good, you know, about me to someone else. They're, uh, you know, just people I've, I've worked for, et cetera. And I, I, every month I go through the list and I just try to reach out to these and I don't reach out to every one of them every month, but you know, what do I have that I write an article that I could send to them that they might find helpful or they could send to their people internally that mm-hmm. they find helpful and just say hello. So I'm trying to nurture those relationships over time. Uh, and then eventually, the, you know, if you're, if you keep getting a lot of good testimonials, then, then, you, you know, you'll keep looking at where your testimonials are and you will replace them. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, I'm looking at my, I have on YouTube, a lot of them and Every time I get a new one, I sort through them and I decide who do I want to keep up, who do I want to show on the page, you know, mm. who's going to be deeper in the playlist, things like that. Mm. But you're you're absolutely right. You do have to monitor and pay attention because you don't want it to come back to hurt you, obviously. Mm. Um, you were telling me about that you previously built and sold a couple of publishing companies. So was that did that happen after you did your first book or how did that come? No, about? that was before. Um, so I've been in business for 40 years doing something. Um, and, uh, now the, the, the first, the uh, first two companies, uh, had nothing to do with what I do. And, and I built those businesses and I don't know what detail you want to go into, but, um, I sold the second one and I was looking for something else. And a buddy of mine said, well, you should be a professional speaker. You'd be good at it. And I go, wow, what's that? You know, I I hadn't written any of those books. I had just helped other people publish them and market them. And um, so I joined the world of speakers. You know, I went to in in the States, we have the National Speakers Association. There's a you have one in UK and Germany has one and France has one and all over the world. And, And I just started hanging around people who speaking in front of groups was a big part of their living, maybe not everything. Um, mm-hmm. And so I slowly figured it out from there. And that's when I decided to, I got into sales a little bit. And so my first niche was um, printers and people relating to the printing industry. Cause I bought a lot of printing in the mm-hmm. preceding 12 years. And so I gave them a customer's perspective when they were thinking about their customer service and, meeting and exceeding expectations and sales. So that was my first niche was in the printing industry. And then I learned that they don't make a lot of money in that industry, the very thin margins. And so I wanted to, to move up scale, if you will. <laughs> and that's when I started working in professional services. And what would you say um, that your clients are doing to, to exceed expectations? Yeah. Well, like I mentioned earlier, and this is really important. I don't want to gloss over it is, 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 finding out what their expectations are. And mm. um, there's different ways to get in that conversation. Uh, and obviously it'll, it'll vary depending on your business. But, you know, um, if I'm a financial advisor, let's say, or a banker, let's use that one. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm saying, Tony, uh, you know, I appreciate you considering, you know, banking with us. Uh, you know, if, if, if you could build the perfect banker, what would be those characteristics? You know, what would you want? 
in the best mm-hmm. banker you could, or you know you've worked with other bankers what 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 have you liked what have you not liked help me know what you know what you, your expectations are coming to this relationship or mm-hmm. i could say let's working let's let's say we've been working together for a year or two years or three years whatever time frame um mm-hmm. you know how will you know we've been successful mm-hmm. so i want to know what your measure of our success is mm-hmm. and so that that's pretty critical uh, another part of that also is the more targeted you are in your marketing, the more you drill down into a, a, a vertical market, if you will, of uh, in a certain industry or employees in a company or whatever the niche might look like for you, the more you're going to have some knowingness about their expectations because you know their mm-hmm. world so well. So you can guess, you can extrapolate from your experience with others to get a feeling uh, for mm-hmm. what their expectations are. Um, but then it's always good to ask. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to exceed, but um, one of the things I've been teaching and I've, I've got a few of my clients who um, have become masters at this and we're always exchanging ideas of how we exceed in an expectation. And mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with these, with little things, uh, actually um, little wows, little unexpected wows um, of connections that we've made for people of paying attention to their world um, and, and, and sending a book maybe that relates to a, a hobby that they didn't even realize we caught that in a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, we find out they have a dog. They love dogs. They've got three dogs now. Uh, I've got a great book on dogs I want to send to them, right? And it just shows up. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I've been doing and, and teaching others to do and we exchange ideas is how we say thank you. How mm-hmm. we say thank you either for the business, the opportunity to do business with you, or thank you for the referral big believer in that. And I've learned that you can exceed expectations in that area, create a a very nice wow impact uh, for not a lot of money if you customize the thank you. So, Mm. you know, rather than sending the fruit basket or the the can, you know, box of candy or cookies or whatever from a website, Mm. I I learn about people. I'll go on their LinkedIn profile. My assistant will call their assistant. Um, I'll pick something up. So I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, just recently, this gentleman referred me to a, another person for a speaking engagement. And so I went to his assistant, who I knew, and I said, you know, tell me about Michael. What's he into? And, well, he, he likes to do vegetable farming in his, his backyard, you know, of growing vegetables and fruit. Now, this guy's mm-hmm. very wealthy. He's doing very, very well. Um, but he likes mm-hmm. gardening, which is great. And so, and he's in Florida. So I got a book on gardening, growing vegetables and fruit in Florida, 14 bucks, not a big deal. I figured it wasn't enough. Um, and she also said that he loves a good vodka. <laughs> so, uh, I bought a bottle of my favorite vodka, a Redka, which is a Icelandic vodka. And I packed it up, probably totally violated, you know, interstate traffic laws of, of, of liquor, um, and send that to him. Um, I said with a note, a little birdie told me that you like gardening and, you know, once you get tired or you, if it's not going as well, then you can go back in and taste one of my favorite vodka. So, um, you know, I think it's being delivered tomorrow, so I haven't had a reaction, but I always get reactions. I always get thank yous for my thank yous. Um, mm-hmm. I had a guy who, uh, helped me with this book I'm writing and I took him to breakfast to do it. And so I obviously paid for breakfast, but I figured that wasn't enough. 
And so mm-hmm. I called someone who worked for him. And I said, tell me what Craig is into. And he says, well, he really likes Abraham Lincoln. He loves Abraham Lincoln. So I'm thinking book. He's read every book on Abraham Lincoln. Okay, I'm not getting a book. Uh, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I went online and, to, you know, good old Amazon. And uh, I found this nice little bronze statue of Abraham Lincoln standing by his desk. And that was about $35. Very nice, very classy. But Steve also told me that Craig likes uh, fun socks. He just, he belongs to the sock of the month club. And I never saw evidence of that, but apparently he likes fun socks as some people do. And so when I was shopping for the, uh, the bronze statue, Amazon, you know, as it does, will suggest other things. Uh, mm-hmm. There were socks with Abraham Lincoln's Lincoln silhouette on them. So <laughs> I bought those for $15. <laughs> He was ecstatic. He called me. He said, I can't believe you figured this out. And, you know, it's it great. So that that's an exceeding expectation. Right. And that's a wow mm-hmm. factor. And, mm-hmm. and and the work I've been doing on my new book, I've been doing a little studying a little brain science. There's a it stimulates a part of the brain when when you do something unexpectedly pleasant. Mm-hmm. There's a part of the brain called the nucleus accumbens that that lights up. It's like a, it's a wow. Endorphins get mm-hmm. uh, generated from that. So. Um, that's, that's how you create advocates, right? That's how you create advocates for you and for your business by doing something that's a little personal related to there where, and you took a little extra time to figure it out and do it. Um, and you don't have to spend a lot of money to do that. Hmm. So the companies that, or the people who maybe haven't yet discovered the, the benefits of having that kind of mindset, what do you well what are they missing out on and what what is it that you think gets them to to have that shift in realizing the huge benefits they can get yeah um i i think you're right in the sense that some people don't come by it naturally because it's mm. very much a, a it's an orientation towards giving first it's an orientation towards relationship some people you know have that wired a little more and better than others um mm. So, you know, I think it's, it's just um, kind of knowing, number one, uh, I guess a principle at hand is, the, you know, the way of the world is meeting people through other people, right? Mm-hmm. There aren't many businesses that the people that you want to bring into your business, their preferred way of meeting you is learning about you from someone else, right? That mm-hmm. social proof, that referral, that recommendation, whatever you call it. So that's a principle, a guiding principle to building a business, is one thing. And the other thing is leading with value. Another principle, just lead with value first, right? When I'm reaching out to a prospect, when I'm courting a prospect and trying to find another reason to, to keep the conversation going, uh, or reaching out to a client or customer I haven't reached out to in a long time, right? How do I lead with a little value? How do I bring a little something extra there? Uh, that's another principle. And, and then the final one is, is the thank you is the, um, getting into the habit of saying thank you and um, uh, doing it in perhaps in a little more personal way. So one one way is to establish these habits, especially if it's you're not you're not it's not your habit of thinking, and yet is to have checklists to use mm-hmm. an assistant to help you with that. But if if you think about it, if you have a checklist of different things you want to make sure you do with prospects and and new clients and existing clients. Um, and, and strategic partners, if you have it written out, then you can look at it from time to time and make sure you're checking off those boxes with people. So a lot of it's just keeping it in your in your awareness until it then becomes second nature to do that. 
Because, I mean, doing something like that, I mean, for a lot of people, it, you know, as we establish, it's, it's not in their natural mindset to, right. to, to think about doing something like that. But if they can maybe make themselves do it a couple of times and then they see the amazing exactly. results that they get from exactly. that and then it will develop into a, a mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you've got to see the value in it. If you don't see the value in it, then you, and, and, it and it doesn't feel comfortable, well, you won't do it. But mm. if you can at least sense that there's value there, then you'd be willing to try it a couple of times, even if it doesn't feel mm. natural. And then mm. it starts to feed on itself, right? So you're absolutely right. Um, but, you know, for these kinds of things that aren't second nature to us, uh, whatever it may be in our life, it's always good to have mm. somebody else in our life to help us with that, right? Mm. It, 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 the checklist is great, but if we have an assistant... Mm. Um, I have an, uh, several assistants, but I have a key assistant that I'll just tell her to remind me to do these things, you know, and, and mm. uh, hold me accountable to things I said I was going to do um, mm. until it then becomes second nature. Well, and it also shows the value of having a coach because a coach will, if, if that isn't in your mindset, right. a, a good coach will help you to, to establish that in your mindset. Absolutely. And, and we create habits in other people by the questions we ask them. Um, mm. asking, asking their permission to hold them accountable to that. I always do that. I, I ask permission to hold someone accountable to whatever it is. You know, it's mm. like if I was coaching you, I'd say, you know, Tony, is this, this is important. This is something you really want to do. Yeah. Do you see the value in it? Yeah. Well, can I hold you accountable? Can I, you know, metaphorically hold your hand through this process until it becomes second nature? And if I have permission from you, then I'll keep bringing it up. And I'll say, you, mm. you know, and, until you tell me otherwise, you said this was important to you. And mm. so, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's what a coach will do. A coach will focus someone's uh, energy awareness towards certain things. And someone knows mm. when they're going to be talking to their coach, that certain things are going to come up. So they better be prepared and they stay focused mm. and something they might be able to do on their own, but they've got a million mm. other things going on. So that coach yeah. helps them stay focused in that one area that's important to them or multiple areas. Mm -hmm. And so it's the focus and the accountability um, as well as the knowledge. So you can have coaches mm -hmm. that don't understand your world that can still help you stay focused and can still hold mm -hmm. you accountable. And there are a lot of coaches that will do that. And I'm sure they're quite good at it. Um, mm -hmm. I tend to coach people that I, they, they know I know their world. And so that adds mm. another dimension to what I can offer that uh, by staying focused on a specific, some specific industries and markets and types of folks, then I, I'm mm. able to bring that, that other dimension of, of uh, what works and what doesn't work to the conversation. Mm. Bill, if people want to find out more about you, where, where would be the best place sure, to I go? Sure, I appreciate you asking. It's uh, referralcoach.com, referralcoach.com. And we do have a, uh, a free report e-guide, our newest one um, uh, for anybody listening to, to your program, Tony, is uh, multiplyyourbestclients.com. Multiplyyourbestclients.com. It's not case sensitive. Uh, and you can get that report and learn a little more about our world. Um, so I'm happy to help any way I can. And I presume you're, the books that you have, they're all available on Amazon they and so on? Amazon's the best, best choice for those. And just before we finish, I mean, we were talking about um, a quotation you yeah. came up with. Do you want to do you want to tell us? Yeah. That? So you know, everyone's so a very trite expression that everybody's heard is "under promise and over deliver." Mm. I personally don't like that. I, I think you should find out 
what they expect, what they want, right? So in, in the formalize the quote, I said, don't underpromise and overdeliver. Promise what you know you can deliver and then exceed the customer's expectations. Find out what the expectations are. Do they fit? Is this a good match in the first place? And if it is, deliver on that and then exceed. But I, I, I just, the idea of under promising a, a great experience or under, under promising what you can deliver uh, lowers the expectation. I'd rather set a high expectation of myself and live up to it uh, and then even go a little further than that. So that's, that's my take. Fantastic. Well, Bill, it's been, I uh, really appreciate your time. Yeah. And um, thank you for all the gems you've shared with, with our listeners. Thank you, Tony. It's been a pleasure. Next week is episode 50 with Shauna Armitage, who is an SEO coach, a chief marketing strategist, and a growth consultant who works closely with brand leaders on marketing strategy and guiding them on the execution and accountability. And she uh, has some very interesting stories to tell. That's next week's episode with Shauna Armitage. Hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. As I did say at the start of the show, please do share it with people who may get some uh, some benefits and value from this. Leave a review for us on iTunes. It would be fantastic. And I hope you have a fantastic week. See you next week.